Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. So we're looking at uh, intentional faith and being intentional with our faith, being intentional in the decisions we make, all to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And I think I've almost asked you every week, but who would like to grow more in the knowledge of Jesus? Yeah, I mean, and if you don't, well, there it is. <laughs> but for those of us who desire to know more, and I'm not just talking knowledge-wise of all right, I got a lot more facts up here. I got a lot more you know, understanding, but it's a real heartfelt understanding of the heart of Jesus, the heart of who it is that we serve. You see, the, the, the tragedy of dead religion is that it's just information and it's just ritual. There's no even expectation to really connect with the heart of God. So it just becomes stagnant. It just becomes a list or a ritual or a a checklist of things to do. And in that to doing, that's it, right? But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible teaches us and shows us that there is a real God with a real heart and real love that can be met, known, and that relationship can be deepened. And it's in the depth of knowledge that we become more and more transformed. But if God is untouchable and way out there somewhere, you're very happy with just simple routine, right? So hopefully, you know, we've been going through Second Peter 1. He's given us an incredible list of things that we could actually to do. We, we, we could, it's a to-do list that will add real knowledge to our faith. And I, we've read it almost every week, but it says this, but also for this very reason, right, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue to virtue, let's add some just good head knowledge, understanding of the Bible, to knowledge, come on, y'all, self-control, we need it, to self-control, okay, got to add some perseverance, perseverance is necessary, Got to work through things. Don't give up to perseverance, godliness. Let's grow in our reverence. Let's grow in our understanding that our lives are submitted to our creator. And that means more than we understand. But in that, we grow and we find true life. And then it says to godliness, man, we're going to add some brotherly kindness. Woo! And to brotherly kindness, love. And it says, hey, if, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a promise, right? So we're moving into brotherly kindness today. What is that? Well, we're going to discover what this is. But I would say this one in particular has a lot more to do with being outside of ourselves and inside of ourselves, right? Self-control and perseverance, you know, even godliness, it's a mindset shift to where you, you, you change how you think. You know, you might change how you order your day. You might change how you do things. But this one specifically is about how we treat others. So it's incredibly important, especially those, first of all, within the church. 
Because brotherly kindness has everything to do with how we treat one another who are brothers and sisters in Christ. It starts here. Brotherly kindness means fraternal affection. Brotherly love. Love of brothers or sisters. In the New Testament, it's the love which Christians cherished, cherished for each other as brethren. It's a, it's, it's a unique type of kindness and love that's experienced with the knowledge, that's experienced with the knowledge that we become family when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You are grafted into the family of God. And through the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit will put in you then is a desire to be kind and loving of those he, you've been called to walk with. There is a concern that we begin to have for one another that he equates with the concern that you have for family. The kindness that you extend to family. Everyone is everyone from a family. Now, I'm not saying all of you had a perfect family. If anything, I bet it was most of you had imperfect families. But I think overall, at some level, despite the imperfection, there's something instinct, instinctual within you that said, I still love them. I am still concerned for them. I still have a vested interest in them because they are family. Blood is thicker than water, right? And that doesn't happen all the time, but I'm saying they're assuming that people understood that when you say a fraternal affection, that there's a bond there, a deep understanding that I love them because we are family and we are knit together through DNA and through blood, right? And a lot of times, I think a lot of you can say it's that bond of family, that creates a consistent concern even when that person is giving you a hard time, right? When they want, they're making you want, tear your eyeballs out. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? You know the drive. You know what, what the, the impetus of family does. It, it, you have concern. And when they are at their worst, it, I think to me a lot of times it accentuates that love that you have, Right? No one's telling you that you have to be concerned about your knucklehead brother. For the most part, we are. So this is what brotherly kindness is touching on. It's like this is what happens in the spirit. This is what happens supernaturally when we are brought into the family of God that he says, now you need to love each other like you love your family, like you love your brothers and sisters because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. So there's a bigger picture to what we are doing here. See, we need to understand this, this brotherly kindness is so incredibly important because it points to the heart of God for the church. Because I think at some level we can forget what church is about, right? Well, first of all, let me, let's move to this. Matthew 22, 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, not to really learn, but to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus couldn't answer right in their eyes because if he said this, they'd say, You're neglecting that. So therefore, we're writing you off. Your heart's not right. You're not who you say you are. You're not to be trusted. So they set up a question in which to test him, saying, no matter what he answers, we got him. 
We got him. Come on, on, y'all. Jesus was a little smarter than that. He says, all right, there. What's a strong arm's name? Well, all right, Frank Azar. I know you just gave me your best attempt. (laughs) Why can't I remember that? The strong arm. (laughs) So Jesus says this. All right, y'all. Here it is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Any questions? This is the first and great commandment. And he says, now in the second is like it. You then shall love your neighbor as yourself. But I'm not done. On these two commandments, because I know you're trying to test me and catch me. On these two commandments hang what? All, All the law and the prophets. Brilliant. With this Jesus, instead of promoting one command over another, he defines the law and its core principle. He defines it. He defines the heart of God behind every law of his desire. Love the Lord with everything you have and then love your neighbor as yourself. He went to the core of all the commandments. And they were like, I didn't see that coming. So what does that mean for us? What is God most concerned with, with all of his commandments, with all of his truth? What does he hope for his people? Love here and then love here. So do you see why brotherly love and brotherly kindness might be a little important to him as it pertains to the church? Because it's who Jesus is. It's who God is. It's his design for his people. Because that's what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be perfect. Perfect love for one another. And so this is very, very important that we understand that church is more important. There's more important things than this coming and filling in a seat on Sunday and singing and, you know, hoping this and hoping. But if you come knowing that this is a place where we get to respond and be obedient to the things of God by loving him more and by loving each other. Because we are family. <laughs> But that's the reality. See, I just want to still land there for a second because as we grow in faith, as we are intentional to grow and to add to our faith, what's going to happen, because it says, is we should be then growing and being intentional in our love and care and concern for one another. And if that's not happening, something's wrong. If we can't overlook differences, something's wrong. If we justify not being concerned about a fellow brother or sister, then something's wrong. But I think, I mean, I'm not, I think if any of us have been in church any amount of time and have been at different churches, we would say sometimes churches are more defined by their division than they are by their unity. I mean, come on. You see, back in the day, there wasn't like a church on every corner. It wasn't like Starbucks, right? Like you had to deal with the people that God gave you. Right? If you're in Philippi, you're in Philippi. If you're in Corinth, you're in Corinth. You ain't gonna slip on over to Philippi, check out their church. Because you can't stand these Corinthians, a bunch of idiots. 
heathens. No. The Spirit of God working through the people despite differences brought them together in a way that they begin to exercise concern for one another and to put their other's interest not maybe above or on equal level despite differences because they knew how important the gathering was. They knew how important it was to be able to meet together and to love and to understand that we are here to encourage and help one another, not just serve a routine. See, we, at some level, I'm just saying, the priorities of church have gotten a little backwards. And because churches are accessible, there's no real, like, what's grounding us to stay and work through stuff, right? But see, when we study the word, it shows you what God's heart really is for his church and for us. And one way that maturity is marked in our lives is the presence of love for others, how we treat others, starting here with our family from all different backgrounds, right? All different levels of maturity and understanding, right? But that's how we grow. When Jesus says, love your neighbor, what's he mean? Well, he says, in the same way we take care of ourselves and are concerned about our own interests, there's nothing wrong with that. He says, then we should take care and have concern for the interests of others. That's what Jesus is saying. This is what begins to happen. Would you say that Jesus exercised love and brotherly kindness with his life? Understanding that his concern, God's concern with us brought him down to serve us through his death because he understood we had a need we could never meet. Jesus is the prime example. And as his bride and as his people, see, that should begin to be reflected in our lives, even if there's differences of opinion on certain things. Now, in some translations, brotherly kindness, you know, it could be, it's mutual affection, but sometimes it's, it, it can be translated as con- just concern for others, especially those of the body. Concern for others within the body. And this concern is a product of a transformed life. But Peter's saying, you can always add it, <laughs> Right? You can always add it. There's always going to be something there that might justify not adding it or being okay with who you're extending it to and who you're okay with not extending it to. He's like, no, always be adding brotherly love, brotherly kindness to your walk, meaning to your brothers and sisters of Christ and the ones that you've been called to to walk together as a church body. Now, Paul gives us great insight into maybe what this looks like. Maybe what an environment filled with brotherly kindness looks like. So I think it's important to understand. You know, to be concerned for others. You know, how does that look? I mean, you don't want to be chasing somebody down. You okay? You okay? You okay? You all right? Oh, you don't look the same today. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. How about coffee? We can talk. We can talk. You all right? Texting. You okay? No, you don't want to be that. You don't want to be a, it's not brotherly stalking. It's just brotherly (laughs) concern. 
Like, what's it look like? Probably stalking. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of his love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, if these are present, if there's an awareness and a knowledge of these, these truths, he goes, now fulfill my joy by being what? Is he talking to a church? Having what? Being of and of like-minded, same love, one accord, one mind. Any questions as to maybe what brotherly kindness might produce? First of all, it's rooted in the knowledge that we are to strive to find unity and sameness, not accentuate our differences. That as a church filled with the Spirit of God, here to reflect God in his heart, that a transformed people will always move to a place of like-mindedness and sameness. You have to move towards it. We don't just gather together and all of a sudden, wow, we're all the same. It's amazing. No. You work towards it, and it takes brotherly love and kindness and concern to work towards that. I want that more than being right, right? I want the relationship, I want the unity more than getting my way. It's about what God wants. And so now he says, now nothing be done through selfish ambition. Okay. Or conceit. But in humility or lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Wow. But this is a product of a mindset of brotherly kindness and concern that sometimes we have to put ourselves aside, right, and say, what, what do you need? Are you okay? Because I know I got plenty of needs. I mean, we all do. We all got plenty of stuff going on. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you don't have anything going on. It just says at some level you have to choose to put that aside. Just like when we take care of our kids, right? We put aside a lot of things so that we can love them because we're concerned. Or we drop things, and, and, and you know, if a family member calls and needs help, you know, we'll, we'll drop things and be there because they are family and they know we need it. You know, it, it. It's not the absence of problems or demands on your life, but it's the presence of the Spirit of God and knowing what He wants for His family. Let each of you look not only for His own interests, but also for the interests of others. What others? Within the church, brotherly kindness. Concern for others because they are brother, sister, brother, sister, brother, brother, sister, right? Guys, we're family whether you lack it or not. And you may say that about your own family too. I got to love him because he's my brother. I don't know how, but he is. Our sister, I'm not meaning that about my brother. I just, <laughs> but it's a choice, Right? Who would say, those of you that have siblings, that maybe your siblings are totally different than you? Like, you don't get them, right? But you love them. You look out for them. It's your family. Now, this is really important for all of us as we say this. So brotherly kindness. Treating each other as family, brothers and sisters. Looking out for one another. Yeah, it's hard. It's not, it's not natural necessarily. It's not. 
but it's something that's in us and we're capable of through the Spirit of God. But know this, again, remember the heart of the commandments was found in loving God and in loving others, right? So don't you think God may judge and assess a church by not how they're loving him, but how they're loving each other? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Watch this, Corinthians. They were a bunch of knuckleheads. So Paul let them know. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, fleshly, sinful, as to babes in Christ. Because you're messing up. <laughs> I fed you with milk, the simple things and, of God, like you know, the, the, the basic truths of Jesus and salvation and how that happens. And not with solid food, for in, until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able based on how you are behaving. Based on what I'm hearing and seeing. Because for you are still what? What? He's talking to the church. Now watch. He defines it. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one, for when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? You see, he knew what was happening. He knew about the divisions. He knew about how they were separating themselves and being very okay with that. Because he's like, some are like, I found Jesus through Paul, so therefore I know more and I'm better. No, I found Jesus through Apollos. He's better than Paul, so I'm under Apollos, right? Whatever, however that manifests itself, there were camps. Paul. Paulos. And if you go into 2 Corinthians, he actually breaks it down even more what that was causing. It was divisions, backbiting, gossip, slander, outbursts of wrath, anger. He's like, you guys are fleshly. Why? Because you are not loving each other. You are dividing over things that should not be divided over and justifying it. Therefore, defeating the very purpose of being the church. Woo. So I would say brotherly kindness is very important. Very important. But again, in this day and age, church division and church stuff is just part of being a church. And yes, division happens, but when you accept it, right, and allow it to manifest into ugliness, that's when it becomes an issue. There's always going to be disagreements. Do you know that? There's different personalities, different backgrounds, different ones, different needs, different... Okay, we can't... You know, you know that you can't please everybody all the time, right? We just have to do what God wants. And in that, know that I'm not going to major on minors. I'm going to major on I am called to this family to love them no matter what. Because that is a reflection of Jesus in his church. It's a reflection of the heart of God's word. The Corinthians shows that they had not progressed in their faith. They were still babies. You know how this is series is intentional faith so that we can grow and become mature? He's like, you all, you haven't grown at all because you are still divided. You are arguing, bickering. You're getting caught up. I mean, anyway, 
There's so many different commands. Stop arguing over lineages and words and this. And if someone wants to celebrate, you know, it's just so many. He's like, stop it. Let's unite in Jesus. Love one another and grow in truth, right? Together. You see, I, I was just so like, convicted, you know, studying this and even, you know, preaching this morning that if we are not so aware of what God's design is for this, we can so easily accept things that should not be accepted. We can so easily accept things in our life that we justify that are actually very damaging to the body. And he's like to grow in brotherly kindness, concern for your brother or sister means sometimes... You have to overlook some things. I'm not saying sin. I'm just saying personality things or maybe differences of opinion. Or maybe I don't like... What's more important? How we love, right? That's why it's... Church isn't about being isolated. You know, it, it, church, is being, church is a place, again, to exercise kindness and concern for one another. It's a place to do that. That's why the gathering is so important. It's why doing church at home through the TV, at some level, yes, you're being fed, but you're not able to love. Because love is about being present. Right? So, so to have divisions, to not seek to love each other more and to come together more is really defeating the purpose of the church. Right? But yet we accept it a lot of times. And don't get me wrong, guys. This, I, I love this church. We do so much well. There's a lot of brotherly love and kindness in this church. Doesn't mean we can't grow, right? Doesn't mean we can't look at ourselves and say, where have I stopped seeking to be concerned for others because they bug me? This is so important because do you know that if someone walks into a church where brotherly love and affection is just running rampant, there's a, there's a different feeling, right? But who's ever walked into a church where it's not and they can care less if you're there or not? You almost have to pinch yourself to make sure you're not invisible, right? See, church is meant to be a place where you're seen, heard, loved, where people are concerned about you and it feels almost awkward, like you don't really even know me. But that's what the Spirit of God does. He creates a spirit in a heart of family, right? So important. Because, I mean, who would say right now, I think this age, if we were to look back in our writing history books, is an age where division grew rampantly. And it's growing in the church. Man, what a scheme of the enemy. Let's meet together, but not like one another. Let's meet together, but not have any concern for one another. Let's meet together, but I'm going to be in a bad mood because they're still not doing what I want. Right? No. Peter says, add brotherly kindness. Despite if you're perfectly happy with everything. Hebrews 10, 23. Here's an assumption that brotherly love exists. 
He says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He goes, now, church, now, church, here we go. And let us, what? Huh? Ourselves? Our interests? Our opinion? Who? Who? Oh, you guys sound like you do. One another. Thank you. All right. Come on. I got one arm and I got a lot of energy. Come on. What is it? Look to the person to your right. Say, you're, you're the one. Look to the other one. Say, you're the other. <laughs> Any questions? Do you see? Let us consider one another when we come together. In order to complain to them, criticize them, discourage them, no. In order to what? So would you say we need each other to help stir up what's in there? We gather to encourage one another so that what's in us can begin to come out. But if we're all like, mm. <laughs> who are you stirring? Your own anger and bitterness. <laughs> what are you stirring during your church service? We consider one another out of a heart of brotherly love and kindness to stir up love and good works in each other because they are in there. And who would say we need some encouraging? Yes. Yes. They were going through discouragement. So the writer is encouraging him. He's like, now y'all see, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. But what? What? One another, right? Encouraging Spurring them on. And so much more as you see the day, what? Okay, so we talked about this a little bit. But do you see how important it is that we have concern for one another and understands that that means that I am looking to others to see, Lord, is there something I can help somebody with? Can I encourage somebody? You're not encouraging everybody, but Lord, I am here. Is there someone I can encourage? But sometimes maybe you don't have it in you, but someone else is looking for you, then they're going to encourage you, right? And as you are encouraged, guess what is stirred? Love and good work. So then now, okay, I just got encouraged. Now I'm going to go encourage you. Now I feel actually better, but the world still is... It's horrible. Because <laughs> what is he saying? He's like, some, they were being discouraged by what was happening, so discouraged that they weren't coming to church anymore. It's like, don't do that. If anything, when you're discouraged, you need to get into church so you can be encouraged. Do you know that people are freaking out right now by the state of the world? People are filled with fear and anxiety, hopelessness. Christians, and some of them have forsaken the gathering and they are losing the source and missing the source of true encouragement that comes from one another because we are family. But if that's not happening in church, why would you continue to go? I don't need another sermon today. Right? I've heard a million sermons. I'm, I'm, I'm doing horrible. But yet, no one, I, I'm in church and no one, is, no one sees me. Nothing's changing. Why would I go? I can just watch it on TV. But if this is a place where you are seen and encouraged and loved... 
You can't miss it. It's like, so don't, don't stop assembling. Because things are hard. Continue to get together. And be concerned for one another. And to encourage one another. Encourage. And sometimes I would honestly say it's probably easier to complain about someone than encourage someone. Sometimes easier to overlook someone because of whatever. It's a little harder to be obedient and say, Lord, I'm here to encourage whoever it is that you bring to me. Because that is my responsibility as the body of Christ within this family. And I'm telling you, when you encourage someone, you become encouraged. Right? When you encourage, you become encouraged. Does that mean your life is in order? Heck no. Do you know why I can pe- preach like this passionately? Because guess what? My life ain't perfect. I have two teenage girls. I got difficult things that are happening every week, just like you all. But when I get up and encourage you through the word, I feel better. Why? It's a spirit of God. But sometimes church gives us permission to sit there, right, and just be a government and things have fallen apart and like his shirt whatever you know and we're just sitting there right instead of going alright Lord I'm so glad I'm here thank you that I have a place like this your church where I can come and not just receive your word but worship you and then extend concern and love for my brothers and sisters. There's no place like it. So we have to get used to encouraging. Right? When you want to complain, encourage. They don't rhyme. I don't care. When you want to be discouraging, be encouraging. I'm just trying to figure out a way When's the, last, somebody, when's the last time one of you encouraged somebody? Just, just think about it. Got outside yourself and just encouraged somebody. And encourage someone, they don't have to be sitting there like this. <laughs> Doesn't mean if you see someone that's down, you don't go. But sometimes, who would say it's, sometimes we put on really happy faces, right? Don't assume somebody's Okay. If God puts it on your heart to encourage, encourage. It may be one word. It might be two words. Who knows what it is? Who's ever been encouraged in a way that you'll never forget it? Came out of left field. That's what church is for. That's why in our gatherings, you know, small groups and whatever, please don't let it be a a platform just complaining together. Seek the Lord together, encourage one another in it, and say, despite things that are happening, man, we know Jesus. How can we make that make a difference in us, right? Come on. This is so important because the day is approaching. And do you know that as the day is approaching, things get worse instead of better? So he's saying, as you see the day approaching, that's good news. But no, it's going to be difficult. So as you see the day approaching, come on, you all, encourage one another. Right? As you can see the church falling apart and dividing, you know, following false doctrine and compromising and all that, don't give up assembling. Right? That's that, not you. You're here. We, we've been called here to get, you know that? 
It's weird, but like we are brothers and sisters. We've all been birthed into this place. We are brothers and sisters. And we got to accept that. And we are here to help each other. And church becomes a lot bigger than just an activity. It becomes a place of life. I don't want there to be Paul. Palos. That's not what Jesus wants for his church. It's Jesus, right? Because what happens is as we come together and encourage, it says stir up love, agape love. Agape love is an act of the will that says I, de- I am deciding to love. It's not like romantic love. It's not that type of love. It's a decision of the heart. So when we're encouraged, it encourages us then to love, right? To give and to help, to serve. That's why 2 Peter 1, 7, it says to godliness, brotherly kindness, and then to brotherly kindness, what? Love. Kind of weird that it comes after brotherly kindness. After Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews has told us to stir up love as we come together and in brotherly kindness, Seek the interests of others and encourage to stir up love, right? In my mind, brotherly kindness shows concern. It finds a need, and this type of love fulfills the need, right? So are we in this together? Absolutely. So... What do we do with this? Well, we say, all right, Lord, open my eyes, right? All right, Lord, I'm going to encourage. Where do I point my mouth or my text or my email? I don't know how many of you do email anymore, but whatever. Because here's the thing. We encourage despite what we might think sometimes, right? And here's the thing, you all. We better get used to encouraging, and we got to get used to one another because we're stuck with each other for all eternity, right? So let's, instead of being stuck, right, let's say, no, we're not stuck. We are family, and we are imperfect, right? And we come from a lot of different places, but God is our unifier. And in that, I'm going to overlook things that need to be overlooked and say, you know what, brother? I love you. God is with you, and he will always be with you. How can I help you? Or you know what? You just need to know your smile blesses me. Your story blesses me. How you worship blesses me. You know, thank you for the work that you do. Yeah, it's simple things, but it takes getting outside of ourselves to even be able to notice and be willing to say something, right? But that's the church. We start looking for the similarities instead of the differences, right? Because who would say we justify a lot of lack of encouraging because of differences? But there's similarities, right? Come on. I mean, look at this. They're dressed the same. <laughs> My plaid bro over here, and we got the blues flanking us, and then Russ, you're just on your own, bro. (laughs) He blends in with the wall. (laughs) You're unique, right? We're in this together. 
being, for some of you, stop being grumpy. Choose to be encouraging. Please. Come on. We need each other, right? I just wait. It's like, let's get to the heart of this. Let's get to the heart of why we're together. You know? It's not serving your hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, right? It's about being fed. It's about being encouraged. It's about being equipped with the truth. It's about knowing the truth. It's about growing in holiness and righteousness. It's about being equipped for the works, right? The works of ministry. And those works of ministry actually interpreted means the works of ministry first within the church. The service and the benevolence that we get, that, that we point towards each other here, right? And not that we're going to do this, but it makes sense that the very first church, the church of Acts, that everyone has put their money into a pool. We talk about the spirit of God saying, just forget all that. You are family and you are sharing of everything that I'm doing in your lives together. That's, I mean, you want to see the epitome, right, of brotherly love and concern and affection. Here's all my money. Let's pull it. No, I'm not saying that's a different time back then. But still, right, it's the heart of it. And this, for some of you, just need to know the change that you are wanting is going to come as you seek the good and welfare of others. I'm just saying. We are so busy being concerned with our own interests, right? Busy, 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 busy. And we are not pouring into the one place that we are called to pour into so that we can grow. Don't be too busy to encourage. Don't be too busy to be concerned, right? And if you need encouragement, if you're going through times, hey, share it with a brother or sister. Right? That's church. That's what church needs to be, especially as the world is growing crazy. Amen? You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.